0: Welcome to What Compassion Accomplishes, a podcast dedicated to sharing information, ideas, and resources about domestic abuse and sexual assault. The topics discussed in this podcast, including survivor stories, supportive services, and domestic abuse or sexual violence, can be difficult, and we urge you to listen with care. Our hosts are not licensed counselors or mental health professionals. If you or someone you care about have experienced domestic, dating, or sexual violence, please call the WCA's 24-hour hotline at 208-343-7025 or the National Domestic Violence Hotline 1-800-799-7233. You can also find more resources in the description of this podcast.
1: Welcome once again to another edition of What Compassion Accomplishes. I'm Corey Michaels, along with Chris Davis with the WCA, and this one is a very powerful episode.
2: Hi, Corey. Thanks for joining us um, today, and, and well, actually, uh, let me start over. <laughs> no problem. Hey, Corey. Thank you for uh, uh, co-hosting today and having us here today. I always appreciate uh, when you um, join us to help out with these. What Compassion Accomplishes Um, podcast. We cover a lot of topics and um, I think today is a really um, special one and we've got a very special guest um, and I'm excited um, and hope that we have a lot of folks who listen and um, get something special out of this.
1: Yes, today we have with us uh, CEO, speaker, and survivor T.L. Robinson with us. How are you, T.L.?
3: I am well. Thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Well, I know uh, when we uh, first talked uh, you know, about a month or so ago and we were chatting about uh, everything and you know, your very, very powerful story, what brought you to creating GoTo, which is a, an incredible app that we're going to get into here coming up in, in, in just a moment. But uh, let's start with, where, where are you? Where is home?
3: Home is on the east coast in North Carolina for me right now. That's um, right. for a while, yeah, and I really like it. Um, you can get rural, metropolitan, a little bit in between, so it's really nice.
1: Well, you get that southern hospitality, and only problem is I'd probably weigh about three three hundred and fifty pounds if I lived there because I'd just eat my way through the states, all through the Carolinas. That's a very
3: <laughs> thing to happen, so you have to be careful. <laughs>
1: Oh, now, what kind of brought, you know, whatever you're comfortable with talking about, what brought you now to where T.L. Robinson is today and this incredible app, G O T U, that we're going to talk more about here in just a moment. Uh, I mean, you started out as... A, what, a 15 year or so career leading multi million dollar projects and Fortune 500 companies and all of that? What brought you to now?
3: Yeah, so that was my background. I was in corporate America. I thought I would start and in, in retire in corporate America. Didn't necessarily see myself um, starting my own company or as an entrepreneur in this way. Um, but unfortunately, I am a rape survivor and. After going through that horrible situation and trying to stand myself back up, I realized that there's a, a big gap or multiple gaps that are, that are that are very noticeable for sexual assault survivors. Um, and then going a little further that any type of you know abuse survivor, there are gaps in resources. If you don't have readily available support uh, who is knowledgeable about available resources, if you don't have Money to get you access to certain resources like therapy, um, you know, mental therapy, physical therapy, because the toll it takes on your mind and your body, that you have less of a chance of really getting to a solid survivorship journey. Being in that space and utilizing my background in technology, um, and in these spaces from corporate America and leading projects, I realized that this is something that needed to be solved for if we think about the statistics of one in six men and now one in three women that's a little over 20% of the world population if we if we look at that you know statistic in, in the 7 billion people that are on the planet right now that's about 1.4 billion people that are suffering that are survivors and that's for that number to be number. So, it's a tragic number you're right and for that number to be so big for sex crimes and, and other abuses to be so prevalent It was just shocking to me that the resources or the process for transitioning from a victim to a survivor just wasn't solid. It wasn't what it needed to be. Um, To give you an example, after being assaulted and going to the hospital, there's there's things that happen at the hospital that people just don't have insights to. And if – and there are obstacles there that can prevent people from going through the necessary process to get solid treatment to make sure that they don't come up with any type of illnesses or, or an unwanted pregnancy. Um, reporting to the police is a very, very, can be a traumatizing experience as well. And if you don't have the right support or knowledge, there are obstacles there that can prevent people from from reporting. Um, I will also share that I was assigned an advocate. And this was the, the catalyst for me that, that got me into the place of things need to change I had an advocate who said she would check on me and call and she didn't.
1: Mm.
3: So going through the emotions, going through the shock and being by myself in that moment because I still couldn't put the words together that this horrible thing was done to me right. and then to have someone sign to me to help me and not show up for me and be there for me, it put me into a tailspin. I can
0: um, really it, imagine.
3: Wasn't, it wasn't until I told the first person Um, that I found out that this person in my life was also a survivor of sexual assault and knew what to do. And if it wasn't for this one person, I don't think I would have made it. For me, it was things need to need to go through a drastic drastic change. And, and, And that's the start of how we got to the idea of go to and launching go to and really being an advocate for change in this space for survivors.
1: Well, we talked about this many times on different episodes, uh, Chris, about how, you know, so many survivors, they may survive that event, but not really. You know, it it, it haunts them forever and it puts them in a place of just being stuck and they can't be able to to move anywhere because they don't know what to do and they can't. Be able to, they don't have the capacity to be able to get back past this horrific situation. And without the, the right services out there, then, you know, just like you, if you hadn't have spoken out to your friend, you don't know where you would have been.
2: Right. Yeah. Trauma. Yeah. Long-term trauma, as I think you probably know, um, you know, can last a lifetime and have an impact of a lifetime. It's not just that, you know, one experience. And right. I think we, we know that the, the, the services and, and, you know, they they vary from area to area. Um, and I'm not sure where you were at the time, whether it was, and, and it doesn't really matter, um, you know, from big city metro to rural um, and the connection between, um, you know, the public services to the community-based services and the connections. And even within some of the stronger organizations, sometimes connections fall. Um, and, yeah. and, and that... It can have such a significant, traumatizing, long-term impact on the victim, like you say. And so, you know, where where do changes need to be made? Where do things need to be tightened up? Right. I know a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of space because of right the the um, the Me Too movement. And some of the some of the things that are even happening now, I know that it's it is sparking a lot of conversations. But where are the gaps, right, between the community based services? Where are the gaps between the public services? Where are the gaps mm-hmm. between rural and where funding falls, and which we, you know, between the sane nurses and the start nurses? I can tell you those are conversations that happen um, where I am at, like on a di- almost a daily basis. And mm-hmm. I um, so I, I am looking at this app and I I think it looks pretty darn amazing and. And I was, um, I want to say something before we started recording, you said you had almost 500 downloads without even doing any marketing. That is word of mouth. That's incredible to me. I mean, and that just, just to me is telling of the need, like you said, for people who need support. Also, I think that's pretty telling for people who need support, who may not, who maybe may not want to speak out and ask for help, because I think that also might be um, a lot, something that a lot of survivors uh, experience that um, they don't want to. They don't want to tell anybody about what happened. They don't want to. They yeah. may not even know where to ask for help. Like all of our services. I mean, we're you know we're based in Idaho, right? We're nonprofit. We'll help anybody who calls our hotline. But if they want more, we, yes, we're all, all of our services are virtual now. But still, mm-hmm. you know, somebody across where you're at may not think to call a number in Boise, Idaho, um, and know that they could qualify for you know a virtual Zoom you know counseling session which they could now but yeah. um they may not be in a place to even think to google and find our website to call that hotline right
0: yeah
2: it's there is yep. so much shame and trauma associated with that even reaching out i'm so you know i want to say i i have never spoken to you before but i'm so proud of you for sharing with someone because that takes so much energy and courage to be able to put yourself out there, that vulnerability to share with somebody about what happened to you. So many people don't just don't do that. They live with it. And it is, you know, I can be on the outside looking in and saying, you didn't do anything wrong. You did nothing wrong. But it still doesn't break through to that, you know, that wall of that shame and living with it. And I just it breaks my heart that, that yeah. you, you talk about billions of people that live with mm-hmm. us, you know, every minute and every day. And you um I applaud you for stepping up and using your talents and resources to try to do something about that and, and yeah. create something for people. I just I think it's so commendable. I just applaud you. And Thank you for that. And I will say that it's not me. It's I was raised
3: to, to speak up if something just does not feel right. And I will tell you the, the moment, there are two moments in my life that helped me say something when this happened. One, I never thought this would ever happen to me, especially the person who did it. Never saw it coming. And that's where additional devastation comes. But I remember when I was younger, there was an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show where she first talked about being molested in a child. And the message was, you know, at the end of that, it was not her fault that anyone going through it, it was not their fault that when they feel safe and comfortable to speak about it, so they can start a process of moving forward. And I remember that from childhood. Um, And it was such a mature content, but my mother had my sister and I sit down and watch that show. And the second thing was, I remember Anita Hill testifying at Capitol Hill about being sexually harassed. And what she went Mm -hmm. through and the message and the takeaway from that was, these things happen and people may not believe you, but the courage to use your voice and help other people and help yourself at the same time just stuck with me so deeply. And those were the two moments that got me to a place of this is wrong. This is wrong. I don't know what words to use. I feel like I'm drowning in this situation, but I have to say something and not be worried about how artful the message is, right? I just have to get this out and start going somewhere. And um, I really think that those two moments um, helped me say something to this person that helped get me to therapy, to get me up and moving forward to where I could ultimately tell my family and be supported and loved and have a better survivorship
2: journey. That's amazing. It is. Those two moments. Wow. And um, I want to say something really quickly, just to acknowledge you saying that you never thought that person would do that to you. Eight out of 10 rapes are committed by someone known to the victim. Right. Mm-hmm. Eight out of 10. So, mm-hmm. well, I, I don't want to discount the experiences of people who are sexually assaulted or raped by a stranger because that does happen. Mm-hmm. But eight yeah. out of 10 yeah. rapes are committed by somebody known. So it's a family member. Yeah. It's an acquaintance. It's somebody they're yeah. going on a date with um, eight out of 10. And that is so that's a myth that we have been raised with our our society is that it's in a dark alley by a stranger.
1: No, I was just talking with detective weeks yesterday or retired detective weeks. And she was saying that it's actually very rare for it to be a stranger incident. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: And that's a stat I'm, yeah. uh, from the rain.org. Um, yeah. So yeah. you can look up and find a lot of more stats, anybody listening. And so that makes it even harder and a lot more shameful. And you think nobody's going to believe you. And so that's also, right. I think much very much a contributor of people not speaking out and thinking they won't be believed. Um, right. And so I encourage anybody listening, like if you, if you are going through this, Reach out and speak out. And if you're listening to this and you're not a survivor and somebody ever s- reaches out to you and, and speaks up, start by believing. Before you say anything, take a breath, yep. take a pause, and believe them before you say yeah. anything or react. Because yeah. you may not want to believe that XYZ person could ever do that, but 8 out of 10 times it is. a rape or sexual assault is committed by somebody known to the person.
3: Right. Right. And I will say when I spoke out and I finally, because for me, the rage took over, Right, the fact that this happened, it was done by someone I knew that was super close to me that I've known almost my entire life. Rage took over. And I think the rage fueled me. It's this process of creating go-to and um, communicating and creating this community and in speaking out and finally telling me extended family and people that he knew I learned that I am not the only person who's victimized in this way.
2: So your app, go to G O T U, uh, let's mm-hmm. survive sexual assault together. It anonymously, anonymously connects with um, survivors um, for support um, or advocates. Right? So, right. so there's gotta be some good technology behind that to keep it anonymous. Right. I'm, I'm sure you've done your due diligence. I'm not a, I'm not a techie person, but you came from the tech world. Um, that is cool. That is really cool. Anonymously connecting with survivors um, and supporters. You've had 500 downloads. I want to tell you, um, I've got some folks in the studio here that are looking at it and uh, checking it out. Some folks that work with us. Um, So that is the coolest thing. So somebody can anonymously download it and get support. Mm -hmm. um, And I know that a lot of folks... And, and so we're a community-based organization, right? We're, unless there's a child or, a, um, you know, an ad- adult who can't speak out for themselves comes to us, we're not going to, you know, make people report to the police. If they want to report, right. we'll walk them through the process. We'll tell them how to do it. But, we, mm-hmm. you know, we don't. We're not, we're not a law enforcement. We're not connected to. Um, we'll walk right. them through how to do that, right? But uh, we don't say, okay, you have to report this to police now. Um, and that's a big difference we try to educate folks on. Um, if they want to, we'll help them do it, but they don't have to. We'll explain that. Um, but this just provides that support, and I think that it takes the face-to-face out of it, right? Why do you right, think that's because
3: important? Because it, for, for a number of reasons. The first one is, is there have been studies that have, that have been done, and, and I can't cite them specifically, but I, I can share some links with you um, later, is that people tend to be more honest with strangers, people who don't have an already set perception of them. Um, So they they tend to be more honest with people that they don't know and confide those things in them that that they feel are shameful um, or may shift the way people think or feel about them. So that's the first reason why it's anonymous. Um, Second, safety, right? People who perpetrate these types of crimes against other people are dangerous people, and we don't know how far beyond this type of crime they're willing to go, especially when they get identified and told on and they can risk losing their livelihood. So safety is the the biggest thing. Third is being open. And we all have set biases, right? Not that being racist or prejudiced, but we have certain biases based upon how people sound and how people look. In this space, when it's anonymous uh, anonymous and there's no set identifiable characteristics, you're just talking to another human being it removes a lot of that bias to where you can just be free to communicate, support, share, nurture, and then receive that as well. And those were the three main reasons for keeping it anonymous. And we found that, you know, if survivors want to go in and download and you all want to go in and download um, in, in, in one of the spaces, especially in the survivor space, you will see people being very raw and very honest about where they are emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, or even what has happened to them. And it paints, it allows us to get a, better picture of the different types of struggles that survivors had. Um, Because the other reason in creating GoTo is for support for survivors, survivor supporters who are secondary survivors, and also advocates whose job is to deal with trauma every single day. And in being in those spaces, my team can collect information that we can now go to corporate heads and political leaders and say, "Here's here's what's happening, here's the impact. This justifies these proposed changes and then work to get these changes in place. That's the ultimate goal is to improve the daily lives of survivors.
1: Now, T.L., I, I have to, I have to ask you this, uh, just because I, I I'm curious and I'm sure you are going to have a fabulous answer to it, but like you were saying, the, the people, the perpetrators, the individuals that will, will do these heinous acts, um, there there can be that rage, there can be that revenge, especially if maybe they, they mm-hmm. did. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, they're feeling they're the ones wronged because the police are knocking on their doorstep and, you know, and taking right. them to jail. Uh, right. What prevents some internet troll or some offender from getting on, registering uh, and catfishing a... a uh, you know bio and then going i mean i'm sure there's got to be some type of monitoring that would quickly take yeah. care of something like that
3: yeah right so i don't want to go into too much details i don't want to give away what we have behind the scenes oh it yeah no be, no right but i will say that one we have community guidelines in, and these are things that people have to go in and check that i will not do this i will not do this i will not say this and if they do that they're Creating an agreement, a legal binding agreement with us that they will not have certain behaviors on this app. If they come in and still continue to have these behaviors, there's ways for us to prevent them from continuing to engage in the app. And then ultimately, behind the scenes, capture um, specific information that we can then hand over to law enforcement. And then their forensics group can then do what they need to do to identify this person if they've broken any laws and move okay. forward from that. So, I, I you know. It. Yeah. Yeah. Safety all the way around is what I'm focused on for survivors. I want people to come in. And, of course, we can't block 100% of those things. It would be great to do that. But we do have parameters in place um, to identify these people um, or for the police to identify these people and then prevent them from coming in um, and continuing to harm survivors. And there's also tools in there where survivors or survivor um, supporters or advocates, because there's three different chat spaces in the app can go in and flag content in, in even if our team's surveying and watching for certain words, we may not catch every single thing, but the community can help us say, Hey, this is inappropriate. This goes against the guidelines. We need you to review it. Our team takes care of that. And then we'll move forward.
1: Perfect, and I like I said, I knew you were going to have a perfect answer to that, but it was going to be something that, you know, I, I as a, as someone who would be a survivor, I, that would be something that I would think about. Well, what if? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that's why I just wanted uh, wanted you to be able to get that out there and and put someone's mind at ease as far as that part goes. Now,
3: yeah, thanks for asking that question, and we're we're continuing to ramp up security. Um, I just had a meeting with our tech resources yesterday to beef up security, you know, as we think about um, hacking and things like that, we we feel comfortable where we are, but we know we can improve. So improving security and also increasing our features and our functionality is a consistent thing that happens on our side.
2: And I'm I'm gonna assume that this app is available for anyone um, across the gender spectrum. Um, And is there an age limit?
3: There is an age limit that was imposed by um, Apple and Google Play, and it's 17 and older. I'm actually going to start having conversations to see maybe if we can lower that age a little bit. I understand why that age requirement is there, because this is very mature content, is what they consider mature, but people are being
2: victimized even in infancy. So we have to... Teen teen dating abuse and sexual coercion is really... Big deal, Absolutely. but I, I understand as well, too. But I wanted to get that out there and discuss it. So maybe you can develop a teen version.
1: That's what I was thinking. A separate,
2: yeah. modify the app and...
1: Well, you know, and all that extra version. time that you yeah, have, T.L. Yeah,
2: yeah, before we talk about <laughs> you can right. get on that, right? We'll have you on again right. in just a couple months, and you can talk about your right. teen version. Right, but I think that
3: this is, this is a horrible time that affects people at different ages. And if we stop thinking about it in a sexual nature or a pleasurable sense, then we can lift those restrictions because that's part of the societal problem, you know. Chris, you talked about yeah. the shame this earlier, and it's how people are raised, it's how people are thinking about
2: sex crimes as an extension of consensual sex, and it's not. Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, no, god, it, no! Oh, well, they just—they just, they just they talk- changed the uh, um, laws in Idaho just this past legislative session to, to take marital—you know, marital—to change marital rape. I mean, in twenty twenty one. So, yeah. 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 And just think about the FBI
3: definition of sexual assault didn't change for 50 years. And I think a couple of years ago, that definition was just enhanced. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, so we have to really be thoughtful about this. And education is really important about what's a sex crime like. You can be assaulted even with your clothes on. People don't think that even a slap on the bottom is sexual assault, but it is. Yes.
2: And. Any unwanted. We have, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right?
3: If someone shows you sexual material you don't want to see it, that is sexual assault. And we have to readjust our our parameters or or where we sit on the spectrum of what's a crime. And that's the biggest thing that, you know, the app and the community members that are willing to share allow us to do is put the information out there, start socializing with people, um, and then expand our reach, which is what we hope to do next year. So, Um, I'm very proud of the people who are coming forward and sharing. I'm very proud of the people who are trusting their survivorship and the victimization. It is very helpful. Um, from a therapeutic sense, it's helped me know that I'm not alone in the world, even though there are people around me who I know have been victimized. And these are people that I've known for years who never said anything until after I came forward. But it's nice to know that there are more people fighting and more people who are wanting change across the globe.
2: Well, I think, um, there are many people who are victims of sexual assault, child sexual abuse, molestation, who don't even recognize that their experiences cross those lines. Who mm-hmm. just put those memories away because they're uncomfortable or they feel responsible right. in some way, and it right. takes a, a, you know some 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 kind of conversation or something to trigger a thought for them to start unpacking those. Memories and start really start, you know, processing that trauma. Um, Right. And I think we've started some really good conversations in this country in the past few years that are really changing the way we approach those things. But it's going to take it's going to take a lot and it's going to take people talking about it and having these conversations about what compassion accomplishes and people listening and starting to have conversations with each other. Yeah. And that's why it's so important for people like you to come and talk with us. Yeah. And absolutely. hopefully people listening to this to start talking to other people and just say, Hey, I heard this thing today. What do you think about it? Let's talk about it.
1: Well, people yeah. are finally talking about it because there's not, I mean, it's still not a comfortable Hey, you know, let's have a conversation about this. No, but right. it's not that that black hide it somewhere in a closet mm-hmm. so that, uh, you know, no one knows. Uh, no one wanted to talk about it for years and years and years. Well, you this didn't.
2: is you just didn't. It was a dirty little secret. It yeah. happened to you mm-hmm. or, or in your family or if there was a piece yeah. going on in your home. It was your problem. It was your mm-hmm. family's problem. Yeah. It was your backyard. Nobody should be looking in. Um, even if the right. police were called, you know, in the seventies and sixties, like this is your, you know, this is your marital problem. You keep, you figure it out, you right. know, don't make us come back. Um, yeah. We don't want to come back there, you know, but yes. Yeah, so um, no, those dirty little secrets are not dirty and they shouldn't right. be secrets. No. And they're not the children's problem. They're not the person's right. being abused problem. It's not the victim's problem. They're not choosing right. those actions. It's a mm-hmm. perpetrator's right. problem and it's about power and control It's about the person Mm -hmm. exerting those actions and they alone Mm -hmm. should be held responsible and we should be having these conversations.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we need more people to say those things with that force and energy that you just had to bring that message home. And when we start talking about it publicly, we start talking about all the other aspects of survivorship. And you say, you know, for me speaking out and how brave it is, but for me, I I have no other choice. I I made the choice to survive this and surviving means that I have to recognize that emotionally I'm different. Socially I'm different. What I'm able to do out in the world is different before I could go out into a mall um, and be fine with all of those people. And I just can't do that now. I can't handle public spaces with a lot of people, especially strangers. I still have difficulty being around men I recently, a few months ago, was able to ride in the car with the window down. And before, I couldn't do that because I was scared that someone would come into the window. I had that fear. Um, so there's lots of things that happen to us that we also need to talk about. We need to talk about the chronic pain. We need to talk about some of the eating problems, the digest- digestive problems that we develop from the stress and anxiety, the hair loss. PTSD. All of this. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And people are suffering. And and people think, oh, I have this pain, I have this illness, or I'm not going to get better. And it's not something that could be solved by medication, right, all the time. But maybe when we address what happened to us and we accept it and start to unpack it, those other things can help resolve. Yeah,
2: there's a lot a lot of studies that that have been done over just even the you know, recently in the past three to five years about the effects, long term effects of trauma. And that's yeah. a whole, those are whole other conversations, but I want to wind us up. Cause I know we've got to, um, we're, we're running out of time here. Cause this, you know, it's just a quick conversation. I want to say that you came to us because you heard one of our podcasts and you reached yeah. out to be a guest. And I think that is the coolest thing. We've had a couple of yeah. other survivors now reach out to us and this is what it's about. This is about having conversations. This is about how we change
1: our culture yeah, and the perception and I, mm-hmm. in society of of and survivors. I,
2: yes, and I appreciate yeah. you so much for doing this. And I think yeah. this has been a great conversation. And I implore anybody else who hears this, I encourage you to reach out to us. Because together, this is how we're going to make change, people. This is yeah. how we do it. We come together. We share our passions. We have good conversations. And we encourage other people to do the same. Because I do believe that we all can have an impact. I do believe that or I wouldn't, you know, I have no reason to get out of bed in the morning, you know? I don't know about you, Corey. Yeah. TL, yeah. What, do you, what do you say? We just keep talking yep. and we just keep talking. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Thank you so much for reaching out um, and having the patience with us to schedule across the country. We are across the country, literally thousands of miles between us, but we can come together and yes. work to change our communities. The, you know, technology is cool, although it's faulty. Sometimes it's cool. It's super
1: cool. Well, and that's why uh, GoTo is such a great app. It's G-O-T-U. You can also get the links. We'll have all that and some of the links that, uh, that TL had mentioned earlier. We'll put all that in the description so that you have all the information there. So download that today. It just came out. So let's keep that conversation going and let's continue to make make the strides. I mean, they've been little baby steps, but you know what the there, as long as we're moving forward in change and in hope, then we're doing okay. But it, as Chris and DL both said, we need to talk about it. We need to get it out there.
2: Yep. And I'm going to put out there too, if you are listening and you, um, are needing some help, we're going to put out the, uh, national hotlines out there if you're local here uh, we'll we'll throw out the uh wca's hotline is 208-343-7025 somebody answers that 24 hours a day um just for information and resources um anybody can call from anywhere actually and somebody will answer that and uh you know we want folks to know you're not alone you are not alone um even if it may feel that way we, we just want you to know you're not alone. There's lots of folks out there who have gone down the journey you're going down. Um, if you're not ready to make a decision to leave something or you're feeling like you are alone in what you're feeling, just know you're not. Um, there are a lot of folks who are probably feeling the very, very similar things. So just know um, there are folks out there. So um, hang in there and there is hope.
1: TL, once again thank you so much and we look forward to talking to, to you as, as soon when
2: yeah we'd like we'd like to hear an update from you yeah that would be great i have some things in the work um and
3: i'll definitely be willing to share and thank you for having me
1: thank you And thank you for being a part of this edition of What Compassion Accomplishes.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of What Compassion Accomplishes. Again, if you or someone you know has experienced domestic abuse, dating, or sexual violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or the WCA's 24-hour hotline, 208-343-7025.